in verse number 14. It says, These things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar in the ground of truth. Paul was saying, I'd much rather have a, a in-face conversation with you. He said, but if not, I'll write you these things so you know how to behave yourself in the house of God. And I firmly believe that there is a way you ought to carry yourself and the way you ought to treat the house of God, right? There's nothing necessarily uh, holy about the paint on the walls or the carpet on the floor, but this is the house of God, right? This is uh, God's house that he's given us and we, we ought to treat it with respect. We ought to treat it... Uh, correctly and in the right way, but this morning we're looking, or this evening, afternoon, whatever time of the day it is, uh, we're going to look at this thought of: Is it a? Are we part of a local church or are we part of a universal church, right? Or a, a, a what some will call it the invisible church, or a local church or a universal church? And right here in First Timothy, we we see here: Well, why is a church important where it is? Right? Why is our church vitally important where it is on the side of Highway 25 in Hepsiford, Georgia? Because the church. Look at verse number 14, excuse me, verse number 15, is the pillar in ground of truth, right? We understand our society, there's not a lot of places anymore you can go find truth, right? You can't find it in the school system no more. You can't find it in politics no more. You can't find it in, in, in job sites anymore. This, this is the sole place, really, that is left where you can find truth, right? The, the real truth, which is, God, which is God's word. It's the pillar and ground of truth this morning. And now not every church that has a steeple, right, is a Bible-believing church. So even nowadays, you can't walk into every church and find the truth, right? There's a big thing going on right now in, in the Methodist church. They're, they're splitting and they're pulling apart over same-sex marriage, over preferred pronouns and things like that. It's crazy to think that we're living in a time that those who have God's word are so negligent of it. They're so almost ignorant of it that they'll say, hey, God has to be for them. No, God made them Adam and Eve. God, God never once condoned that kind of stuff, right? Never once said it was good or it, it, would be, it should be allowed. But we'll see here this morning, that the, the, or this evening, afternoon, that the, the church is the ground and the pillar of truth. In essence, if anybody walks in between those doors or in, in our church on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, a Wednesday evening, a Sunday school, they ought to be hearing the truth. Right? They ought to be hearing the truth. That's, why, that's what our church is built upon. It's the church, or it's the truth this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> right? But, and, our, and thankfully, by the grace of God, we, we have the right Bible we have the right truth. We stand upon it. We don't shy away from it. We're not looking to, to appease people. We're not looking to, to, to fit in in society, right? I'm not trying to be like everybody else. I want to be who God made me to be. And if I'm following after the Lord, then I'm more than likely, 90, 100% of the time, if you're following the Lord, you're going against the world, right? Because they're at enmity. They're going against each other. And so this afternoon, we're looking to start, are we... Are we a, a local church or are we part of a universal church? Or a, a, an invisible church, a global church, right? Now, this afternoon, I am a member of South Haven Baptist Church, right? I'm, I'm also the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church, and uh, you may be a member of South Haven Baptist Church, and we are an independent Baptist church. I, I was just somewhere this week, and I was talking to another pastor, and uh, he was asking me, he said, man, you look real familiar, uh, well, where do you, I feel like I know you from somewhere. And I was looking at him and was like, I, I really don't know, I don't know why we would, would cross paths uh, outside of this one event that we were at. And he said, no, I, you look real familiar. He said, do you pastor a church? I said, yes, sir, I pastor a church. He said, where at? 
I said, oh, I'm in uh, South Haven Baptist Church in Hepsville, Georgia. He goes, oh, so you're part of the Hepsville Baptist Association. I said, no, sir, we're, we're independent. He said, oh. <laughs> right? And, and here's the thing. There is a stigma, right? There is because of different things that have happened in independent Baptist churches, right, the, uh, of different things that have taken place, none of them which were right, none of them which should have been covered up. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm for the victims in those scenarios, definitely, right? But at the same time, just because it happened there doesn't mean that it's happening here, right? It's not right to ever take somebody and lump them in with a group because somebody else in the group did wrong. Now, this afternoon, yes, I'm a member of South Haven Baptist Church. We are an independent Baptist church, nor am I independent because I don't like people, Right? I'm independent and we are in an independent Baptist church because we believe that's what the Bible teaches, right? We believe that the Bible teaches the, 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 the practices that we have and the, the doctrines that we believe, they come from the word of God this, this afternoon. So we're going to look at this thought of, of why, uh, but I'm also for the local church, right? I, I believe in the local church. I believe God works through the local church. Uh, and, and I'll show you from the scriptures today what, exactly what I mean. And a lot of times this gets blurry, this gets uh, confusing because we use the words church, we use the word the bride of Christ, we use the word body of Christ, we use them interchangeably. And now they are very similar in some aspects, but there are some differences there. Uh, in essence, this morning you can be, or I'm just going to quit saying it, you can be, you can be part of the body of Christ. Well, how do you get a part of the body of Christ? Well, you get saved by the grace of God. You become part of the body of Christ without being a member of the local church, right? Think about the thief on the cross. He was part of the body of Christ. He, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, but he never joined a church, right? And then well, what about the bride of Christ? Well, those who are saved by the grace of God are part of the bride of Christ. We understand that today. And a lot of times we, we interchange those things, right? And, and a good way to illustrate this is, uh, think about this. When you got married... All right. When you got married, how many bodies did your spouse have? Just one. Right? I hope so. <laughs> right? And so we understand there is one body of Christ. If you were to take your Bibles and turn them open to Ephesians chapter number 4, uh, this afternoon you'll see right here, Paul is talking here. He says, there is one body, right? There is one spirit. Uh, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Notice what word is not in there. The word church. Right? One church. It isn't in there. But there is one body, right? Those who are saved by the grace of God. There's one Holy Spirit. I don't think we would argue today that there's only one Holy Spirit. That there's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only really one baptism. Right? And it takes place after salvation. Now, my personal testimony, I'm a, I, I am re-baptized. Right? I was baptized as an infant when I was six months old in the Catholic Church. When I got saved uh, at the age of 25, I was re-baptized. My first baptism didn't mean anything. Right? But my second one after my salvation was my first step of obedience in my Christian life. And so we realize that today. But the Bible says there's one body. It's compromised of born-again believers. So if you're saved, you're part of the body of Christ. And there aren't multiple bodies. There's only one body. And we, ask, we answer that question with, you know, when you got married, how many bodies did your wife have or spouse have? One, right? The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, is not determined by a denomination but by biblical salvation, right? There are some out there, and you've, you've got to kind of watch out for them. There's a group, and I think they're probably in every, every different denomination, right? But in the, the Baptist circle, we call them Baptist briders. That only those who are saved in the Baptist church 
with a Baptist preacher with the King James Bible are part of the bride of Christ. I simply do not agree with that, right? Because I, I believe salvation's of the Lord. It's not of a denomination, right? At the same time, now, I remember being in Bible college, and we're talking about different types of Bibles or different versions of the Bible. Uh, I know a man who's got a clear testimony of salvation, no doubt in my heart, uh, to, to question what the Lord's done in his life. But he got saved reading an NIV Bible, right? The gospel's in there. Right, but at the same time, if you're, if you're going to move a mountain, why would you pick a firecracker over dynamite? Right, and we, that's why we believe the word of God. That's why we use the King James Bible, and there's, there's more to that. Amen. We taught on that a few years ago. If you're interested in that, go find sermon audio. You'll find all that in there. But Baptist writers believe that only Baptists are part of the bride of Christ. I heard one preacher say that, you know, not, it's not just going to be Baptists in heaven, but if you want to go first class, right, become a Baptist, uh, and those different kind of things. Now, we're joking and playing, but really, I'm, I'm a Baptist by conviction. Right? I believe what men who have, who have come before me, uh, who have died for, I believe it to be something very, very important. Uh, now, however, so we understand there's one body, there's one bride of Christ, right? However, there are uh, different parts of the body, right? Uh, and, and, and different parts of the body of Christ should be members of a local New Testament Bible-believing church. I believe the Bible teaches local church. It doesn't necessarily teach a universal church, right? An invisible kingdom, an invisible church. The word Catholic actually means universal, right? And that's, that's their thing is they are the same church no matter where you go. Now, we're independent Baptists, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches, and that's what we see in the word of God, and I'll do my best to prove it to you. Now, here's some reasons why I believe in the local church. First of all, number one, I've only got two points. The, the, the fried chicken took care of the third one. But number one, the lack of evidence for a universal church. A lack of evidence for a universal church in your Bible. Uh, we live in such connected times, right? We, we, in a matter of seconds, uh, my phone, which is somewhere, it's on the, over there. In a matter of seconds, I can be on a phone call halfway around the world, right? We understand when Paul was writing in uh, first century church, that was not a possibility. But at the same time, just because we can doesn't mean uh, that, that, that all of a sudden the Bible changes. Matter of fact, there's only really one mention of a universal church or a, 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 a one church kind of thing that the whole world is part of, and it's in the, found in the book of Revelation. Right? Revelation 17 18, we are introduced to uh, the great whore of Babylon, uh, which is a picture of the one world religion. Here's what it says about the great whore of Babylon. She's full of blasphemies, she's full of abominations, she's full of uh, fornication, and full of filthiness. Let me ask you, do you want to be a part of that? Of course not, right? None of that sounds good. But at the same time, that is a picture of a universal church, a, a one-world church, so to speak. Uh, the Lord never told his disciples to strive to build and implement a universal or a global church. He said, upon my rock, this way, I'll build my church, right? He said, go into all the highways and hedges. He told them to, you know, first, um, I can't remember now, uh, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and go out from these different parts, right? But it wasn't, hey, take, build one church and allow that church to take over everything Else, Paul never required churches he started to come underneath his authority in that sense of, of he was he started them, but we'll read, you could go back and read in the book of Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 14, the Bible said when they, they, they had voted, not voted in, but when they had put in elders in all the different churches, right? And those men became the pastors of those churches. Now, Paul would write to them, Paul would influence them, but Paul was not the controlling, he wasn't the, the pastor of all these different churches, he was the apostle Paul who had started, he did the work of the evangelist. 
But Paul never required the churches he started to come under the authority of the church in Jerusalem, which the rest of the apostles were, right? That's where Paul goes back to, we talked about in the Paul's life this summer, but and some terminology you won't find in the Bible are, are things like mother churches, sister churches, satellite churches, right? You just find churches, churches here and there. So, uh, and if you're going to start a church, uh, I would, in essence, if a man comes out of here, goes to start a church, yes, I would still be your pastor in that sense, but I would not be the pastor of that church. You would be the pastor of that church. Uh, and that's, that's how it's supposed to be. And there's, there's some reasons why we'll get into the second point. But under this, there's a lack of evidence of a universal church. Now, there's the body of Christ, but there's a lack of evidence for a universal church. And here's the thing. If you were to have that, universal church would re- require a hierarchy. Anytime you have a hierarchy, no matter where it is, you bring in politics. What do you mean by that, preacher? In essence, this, this afternoon, I'm the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. And if, that, if I allow that title to give me an entitlement in my mind, I will, I will quit being pastor and I'll become a politician. And I'll be making sure I have all the right friends and all the right people and all the right places. But really, I, when I was talking about this in Sunday school this morning, as a pastor of the church, yes, God has placed me to lead the church, but God hasn't entitled me to anything. Right, I, I don't get something special just because I'm the pastor of a church. Really, I'm the lead by example. My responsibility, one of my responsibilities was to show you how to be a servant. How do you do that? By serving one another. Right? It wouldn't be right for me to stand up here and, 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 you know, and chew y'all out. How dare y'all not give in the widow's fund, friend? What's wrong with y'all? And then me not do it myself. Right? You lead by example. And anytime there's a universal church or there's a, uh, this this hierarchy, politics, it produces politics. It literally creates division, right? Of the haves and the have-nots. It puts down the poor. Think about, think about the ruling classes over in England. It's great if you're a part of the, 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 the royal line. It's great if you're part of the royal family. It's great if you have a position of power. But if you're a peasant over there, life's tough. Life's hard underneath those kind of things. It puts down the poor. It's a ruling class and a peasant class. What's the Bible teaches about us at church? We're not to favor one another in that sense. We're not to show favor to one person because they have great talent and then ignore somebody else. The ground is level at Calvary. Right? Calvary, when God saved you, he didn't save you for your ability. He saved you because you needed to be saved. Right? Your, Your sin debt and all that kind of stuff. But when you have a one world church or a one church body or a or a convention, you might call it, in that sense. It produces politics. It puts down the poor. And you think about just even in, in the Southern Baptist Convention, right, a lot of times the money that is, I always, I always thought this was interesting, that in the Southern Baptist Church, a church sends their tithes to the convention. So whatever comes in through their offering, they take a tithe of that and they send it to the convention. And my question is, who do they send their tithe to? Right, you, you see these things and it's like, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up in that sense. But at the same time, a lot of times that the money is taken from a smaller church out of that tithe is funneled into a bigger church that is doing well, right? To give them more power, to give them more influence and those kind of things. And it doesn't make sense that way. So that you, don't, you, you have a hard time finding that in the word of God of a universal church. It produces hierarchy, which produces politics, which puts down the poor, which promotes domination, right? It promotes domination, a fight for survival, right? Because if, our, if, if somebody's coming against us, they're trying to ruin the church. Right, it's a fight for survival, not a ministry, or or, or not a, a work of God. And case in point, think about the Inquisition, the Catholic Church. Right, they thought we are the church, 
And every other church is wrong. And so instead of just telling them they're wrong, what do they begin to do? They begin to kill people. Right? And here's the interesting thing. You trace the, the history of the Baptists back, you'll find out that they were the people or some of the people that the Catholic Church was killing. Right? Or, or trying to wipe out. And, right, and we find all of that in the one world church or a, a universal church or uh, in that sense. And I, I, I firmly believe the Bible doesn't teach a, a universal church. But number two, there is overwhelming evidence of a local church or for the local church. Matter of fact, I, I printed them off somewhere. In the New Testament, there are over th- at least 33 references to different local churches within the New Testament. I wrote them down, I copied and pasted them. There's Antioch, there's Athens, there's Babylon, Berea, Caesarea, Chinchilla, Colossae, Corinth, Crete, Cyrene, Damascus, Derby, Ephesus, Hierapolis, Iconium, Jerusalem, Joppa, Laodicea, Lydia, Lystra, or Lydda, Lystra, Pergamum, Philadelphia, Philippi, someplace in Italy that I can't pronounce, Rome, Sardis, Sharon, Smyrna, Tarsus, Thessalonica, Tyratyra, and Troas. All those places had a organized body of believers. Right? And we understand that, so there's all these local communities within the book of Acts and really after that that had their churches, at least 33 individual churches. It's amazing, out of the 80 times the word church is mentioned in your Bible, all those are in the New Testament. Right? That's why we say things like this, we are a New Testament Bible-believing church. And that's as we are pattering our church after what we see in the New Testament of the Bible. Now, they had some things in common. Right? They had a common gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel hasn't changed. It's the same message. And so this afternoon, we are at South Haven Baptist Church, and right down the road, there's Crossroads Baptist Church, there's Berean Baptist Church, there's uh, Faith Baptist Church, there's Canaan Baptist Church. They're all independent Baptist churches. We have, one, we have, we have a few things in common. Right? We have a common message that is the gospel. As far as I know, all those men that pastor those churches are preaching the gospel. They're preaching it true. They're preaching it right. We have a common we have a common purpose, and that is to take the gospel that we have and to preach it, to share it to a lost and dying world, right? To 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 see people saved by the grace of God, to edify the saints. We have common practices. Matter of fact, I, I know for sure Crossroads Baptist Church baptizes just like we do because I've been to a service there. Matter of fact, it was Miss Courtney's baptism uh, that I, that I was there for, and we they they baptize just like we do. Right, that word baptizo means to dunk. It means to immerse. And we'll get into that when we get into baptism. But we have common practices, right? Baptism, fellowship, the Lord's Supper. Here's the thing. When I was growing up, I had no idea, one, that there was five Sundays in a month. But I also didn't know you're supposed to fellowship on the fifth Sunday. Right? I remember coming here. I was like, wait, y'all do this every fifth Sunday? Right, let, me, let me see. How many, five, how many fifth Sundays are there in a year? Let me write this down. This is important. Right? But some Baptist churches don't fellowship on fifth Sunday. They do on the first Sunday. Which one's wrong? Neither of them. They're both right. right? And so we have some differences. There's a common purpose. There's a common message. There's a common practice. Baptism, fellowship, Lord's Supper. Right? Here, you can say this way. We're influenced by Acts chapter number two, but we're not controlled by those in Acts chapter number two. What do you mean by that, preacher? In essence, we are South Haven Baptist Church. We are not the church uh, we're not South Haven Baptist Church of the Church of Jerusalem, right? We are our own independent body, right? We are our own independent body of believers. Uh, the church, in essence, we see it in the Bible too. Never does Paul refer to the Church of Antioch as the Church of Antioch uh, of, or the Church of Jerusalem at Antioch, 
right? It's, uh, it's church of Antioch, the church at Jerusalem. Now, a lot of times it, it refers literally of the church at, or, but sometimes it'll say the church, right? You'll see it in, in the word of God. And a lot of times, even in those instances, I'm thinking about uh, the book of Acts. He talks about the church uh, at Jerusalem. And then the next word is, and then the church. Well, what is he referring? He's referring to the church at Jerusalem. It's always referring back to a local church. Now, there's a few times where there is a, a broad statement, just like Jesus said, I will build my church, right? And he also said that uh, it goes to Matthew chapter 18 when we're dealing with church discipline. And there's that broad statement of bring them before the church. That is a practice that is to be practiced by the individual churches, but it's not referencing a, a global church. You have the, you know, there's always a local church. Each church had their own pastors, their own leaders. Acts 14, 23 tells us that, that they went through and they prayed and they put men in place to pastor those churches. They had their own people, right? Romans 16, 1, or chapter Romans, Romans 16 is a wonderful chapter in your Bible, right? It's a hall of volunteers, a hall of servants uh, in your Bible. We're introduced to a lady by Phoebe in, in verse 1, and she's of a specific church. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, we are introduced to Aquila and Priscilla who have a church in their house, right? It's, they have their own pastors. They have their own people. They have their own place. Here's the interesting thing. Local churches in your Bible have their own personality. They have their own personality, right? The church at Corinth was carnal. The church at Corinth was very carnal. Go read Corinthians chapter number one. Paul said, I've got word that, that a man is uh, committing a fornication with his father's wife. That's a big mess right there. And what did Paul say? I believe him. I believe what I've heard. And so Corinth had a, a carnal personality, right? The church at Berea were Bible scholars. They, they were in the word of God. Acts 17 11 says, when Paul got done preaching, they went back to the word of God to see if those things were so. They were a church that loved the Bible, right? The church at Philippi was a giving church. Go read about Paul's account. He said, there was nobody that was giving to me outside of the church at Philippi. So each church had their personality. And I think that's the beauty of, of the local church because <laughs> when we, send a, we support a missionary overseas, we're not sending them over there to, to teach them how to have American church. Right, because our culture doesn't fit in over there. Right, I think about Brother Vandenherk who was just here with us a few weeks ago uh, who, who preached a wonderful message but just the way he carries himself and the way he speaks and the, the way they talk and all that kind of stuff, it is intriguing to us, right? It is interesting to us because that's not how we typically carry ourselves in the South. <laughs> I remember I was on the phone with them uh, getting everything lined up for them to come. And I said, all right, Brother Jonathan, we're, we're looking forward to seeing y'all. He said, God be with you, Brother Tate. I said, you too. <laughs> not used to that kind of, uh, that kind of terminology, those kind of phrasings, but that's how they speak in England. He said when they got back to the States, they had to remember that we say amen over here, not amen. He said he was in his first service and the preacher was preaching. He said, amen, preacher. And everybody in the room stared at him, right? <laughs> and, but here's the thing. If we were trying to, if we we're, everybody's got to be just like me. No, as long as we're in the confines of the scripture, Right, as long as we're doing what the Bible tells us to do, we have those, those things that are clear-cutting here, doing those things right. The beauty of the local church is that they are not identical to each other. Right, they're not identical. Matter of fact, the way we have church down here, right, you, you wouldn't have it the same way once you cross the Mason-Dixon line. 
You go up to Michigan, you go up to, to Wisconsin, you go up anywhere outside of the South, they have church different than we do. They believe right, they teach right, they, they, they do what they're supposed to do according to the word of God, but they don't sing the songs like we do. Right, they don't, they don't, they don't testify like we do. They don't, <laughs> you know, they, they call us Southerners wild. Right, I call us lively. Interesting. Right, but to them, it works. It works up there. But I thank God I don't have to be like that. Right, I can be who God called us to be and who God wants us to be. Each church had their own personality. Here's the thing about a local church. It understands the community. It understands the community. How many times have you heard me preach and I say, we say it like this in Hepzibah. Or we say it like this in South Augusta. Right, because we know what each other's talking about. Right, because we're from the same, we're from the CSRA. We're from the same general area. I live, you know, I, I live straight up off of Peace Orchard Road. You know, we know what that is. We know, we know what that's about. Right, we understand the community. That's what a local church is there for. Just like, you know, if we were to go over and watch Miss Carrie Phillips in Uganda, it would not be what we're used to, but it would be what they're used to. What they, they understand what they know. Each church understands the community. They understand the culture. They understand the culture. Right? <laughs> I still remember we were over in Albania, and Brother Jeffrey was preaching with the translator. The translator was like eight, eight, nine years old. And Brother Jeffrey said, God's love is the conduit. That little boy looked at him and said, I don't know that word. <laughs> and Brother Jeffrey said, I don't know where to replace it. <laughs> He said, it's the pipe. It's the pipe. <laughs> right, but it's a different culture over there. Right? You could talk about things over here that are so common to us. Like, if I were to go over there and preach about having to wait in line at a McDonald's, they'd have no idea what I'm talking about. They don't have them over there. Right? But their culture is different over there. They understand things that we do in America would be, uh, what's the word? It'd be disrespectful over there. Whereas some things they do over there, we'd say, man, that's weird over here. That's why God put local churches there. Right? They understand the community. They understand the culture. They understand the commitment. They understand the commitment. If the commitment was just to have one world church, the commitment would be to get everybody to join that church. Right, but the command is to preach the gospel. We're commissioned to preach the gospel and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so, in essence, tonight, if we're, or this afternoon, if we're going to do that, if we're going to take that commitment, then we've got to do it where we are first. Right, that's how we reach the uttermost parts of the world. Do it where we are first and then support those who are going to those other kind of places uh, around the world. And I just want to say thank God for the local church. I'm not part of an organization. We're not part of a fellowship. We're not part of a, a convention. We're not part of a hierarchy. Uh, I don't necessarily go and answer to anybody uh, above me. I don't have a manager. I don't have a regional supervisor. I have the Lord. And can I say not? He's a far better at doing what he does than a regional manager is and a supervisor is. And here's the thing that I, as a pastor, I think sometimes it's easier to answer to another because you can sway a human being. You can influence them. You can't trick God. And God knows our heart. And we're accountable one to another. Imagine if you're a part of just one big church and your accountability partner lived half the world away and didn't speak your language. How could you fellowship? How could you hold each other accountable if you don't know what each other's saying? But God gave you a local church who is made up of people who've walked a similar road, understand where you're coming from, have been where you are, are now able to say, listen, now we can help one another because God has given us a local church of local believers, of, of, of 
folks saved by the grace of God. And so tonight, there, there isn't evidence for a universal church, an invisible church. I'd be weary of somebody who walks around talking about building the kingdom. Building the kingdom. Man, where, you, where do you get that at in the Bible? We're building the kingdom. Last time Jesus said, I'm building a church. And he also said, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, what are we building for? No, we are to do what God has called us to do. Right? We're to be faithful to where God has placed us at. Be part of the universal church. Build for the kingdom. No, do what God told you to do. Preach the gospel and reach people with the gospel. Amen? But thank God there's overwhelming evidence for the local church. Uh, and as far as, as, long as I'm pastor here, we'll be for the local church. Right? We'll be independent. We'll be fundamental. We'll be self-autonomous, self-governing, led by the Holy Spirit of God. Why? I personally believe that's what the Bible teaches. And if we're going to do it right, we've got to do it God's way. Amen? So thank God for the local church this afternoon. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,